Good morning, everybody. My name is Lars. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the uh, first uh, book of John, John chapter 1, or 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. Today, um, I want to talk to you all and everybody that is online. Welcome everybody that is watching online. Uh, whether you're watching today or whether you're watching in the future, I pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Uh, the same goes for everybody that's in here this morning. We're going to be talking about the light and the dark, darkness. Um, so, we go into the book of First John. You don't have to turn there, um, but I'm going to read to you First uh, John chapter five, verse thirteen, and this is why I am doing this. First John chapter five, verse thirteen states the purpose of the book being written. So there are themes within every book of the Bible, and 1 John has several themes. The main theme of the book of 1 John is so that the believer would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, John, empowered by the Holy Spirit, wants to communicate that to you, um, and he does that by telling us through the book of 1 John that there's various characteristics that uh, each believer should have. And we're going to go over some of those. It says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. There is why the book of 1 John was written and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So I, I know that there's a lot of people here who don't know who I am. I am actually the guy that operates the stuff back there um, and does all the online stuff. Today I find myself in front uh, speaking to the people in the internet world. Um, but what I want to do is I kind of want to introduce myself to you, but I also want to give you like a 40,000-foot level of my testimony, specifically when I was a child, because it applies directly to what we're going to be studying this morning. So I'm a young guy. Well, I'm not now. I'm kind of an old guy now. But I was a young guy born in uh, Illinois. Um, I was one of five children my parents, and I mean no disrespect to my parents whatsoever, but my parents uh, were, it was very, very difficult in our home for sure. I, um, and I say, that, um, I say that the way I'm saying it because when we were kids, our parents beat us. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard that, but our parents just beat us. I know for sure that I was probably knocked out, like knocked out cold four or five times when I was a kid because of my parents' anger and frustration. They also drank a ton of alcohol. They were just, I mean, it just consumed their lives. Um, and when I was 11 years old, I need you to know this stuff because I need you to know where I'm coming from as we get into the light and the darkness. Um, when my dad, or when I was 11 years old, my dad pulled me out to our detached garage. It was in January, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I thought I was going out there to get just beat to a pulp once again. And he said, hey, I need to tell you something instead of beating me. He said, I want you to know that I have been having a physical relationship with your older brother, who was 13 at the time. I don't know if you know 
When you were 11 years old, I don't know what you knew about all that stuff, but I knew nothing. I just kind of made a determination in my head. I, I just need a dad. I literally said this in my brain, I just need a father. Because this guy is not just, he's just not doing that right now. And so I tell you that because I think it's important as we get into our Bible study uh, where I'm coming from. Pastor Wilcox mentioned a couple weeks ago too about going to the church building, going to the church proper or this church building proper to worship together and then acting differently when you're in your wherever you workplace, study, or shop. And so I grew up with this too. We did go to church every Sunday. That was actually a good thing. That was a very good thing. So we did go to church every Sunday, but it was complete chaos in our car on the way to church, like pounding and hitting and screaming and yelling. And then we would walk through the double doors of the church building. It was a, like a, with the steeple and everything, your typical church building. We'd walk into the church building, and it was our hour and 30 minutes of peace in our family. That was it, like for the whole week. And we'd leave and go back into the car, and nothing was different. Nothing had changed. Nothing. It was the same. And I was telling our Zoom group back in June. No, I think it was back in June, yeah? Uh, so back in May and June, I was telling our Zoom group, like, I grew up hating the church because the church knew what was going on. I mean, they saw us. They saw the bruises, they saw the marks, but the church did absolutely zip nothing. And so I grew up until the age of 19 just hating the church. At the age of 19, I had been in the Marine Corps for two years by that time, and when I was uh, down in North Carolina, I remember this uh, specifically laying on my face. I was just so frustrated. I was like, Lord, I don't have a dad. I don't, I don't even know if you're real. Everything that I've seen so far in my life has been pitch black. Every person that I know hates you or the people that do call themselves Christians don't even act like they're Christians. They act like everybody else. They're alcoholics. They beat people. They're just horrible. And so I laid on the floor in my room and I said, Lord, if you are real, I pray that you would refresh my spirit. That was the first prayer. And the second prayer was, Lord, I ask that you would get me out of this place. Please get me out of this place where I was. Because drugs were rampant in 1979. Yes, I'm that old. They were rampant in the Marine Corps at the time, and racism was out of control. Out of control. I mean, it's bad now. It was worse in 1979, if that can be. And so I tell you these things because at some point in your life, whether you're a believer or whether you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you're online or in this room, because I don't know everybody, we have a choice to make to live in the light as a believer, and we have a choice to live in the light as a non-believer. We do. We have a choice. You can live in the darkness. I actually could have perpetuated that family lifestyle through generations of generations of generations. But I'm, I'm happy to say that this is what the Lord chose for me. He worked in my life and he said, here's the story. I asked him to be moved to Adak, Alaska. You can Google that, but not right now. 
Adak, Alaska is where I asked him to move to because there was a Marine Corps detachment up there in Adak, Alaska. It's an island off of Alaska. I said, please move me there so I can get away from everything. Well, he did move me to an island, but it was the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And that's where I met my wife, and then we have history from there. But I made a decision at 19 years old that I was not going to live like that. And so I have a daughter that's almost 34 years old. Yes, I'm that old. I have a daughter that's almost 34 years old, and uh, Kimberly is a Bible study fellowship teacher and leader. She teaches the Word of God. I have a son who is a worship pastor out in Northern California. He was actually here not too long ago. And Lizzie, we're, seeing, we're just waiting to see what the Lord is going to do in her life. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So what I want to do is I want to I pick up in, the, in uh, 1 John, in the first chapter, in the first verse, and the, we're going to read a couple of verses, talk about them, read verses 3 and 4, and read uh, verses 5 through 7. But I want, you to, I want you to tune in with me right now. I want, you to, I want you to slow your brain down. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what type of week you had. I don't even know what type of morning you had. But I have been praying about this. I have been praying sincerely to our Lord in heaven. And when I pray to my father, it's a little bit different. Remember I said during my testimony that when I talk to my father, I need a father. When I talk to him, that's my father. Like I talk to him like I would talk to a father who loved me. I just talk to him plainly. Like, you know what, I'm sorry that I sinned. I'm, I'm totally sorry that I've sinned against you. Or, Lord, I don't even know what's going on in my life. I'm kind of a little frustrated. I don't, know what, I don't know what's happening. Lord, I really need the words that you are going to give me to preach this sermon this morning. And I believe that he has. So what I'd like to do is just stop for a second. Just stop and bow our heads and slow down. So the Lord will speak. Now, I don't care about the mind right this second. I, this is not an intellectual exercise. This has something to do with our hearts. Being, living in the light, being the light, or living in darkness. This has everything to do with the heart and very little to do with our minds at this point. Okay? So if you just bow your heads and slow down a little bit, and I'll just pray for us, and then we're going to start our study. My God and my Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt by faith that this very, in, this very second, right now, you're listening to my prayers as well as the prayers of every other believer in the world. I don't know how that's possible, but I know that by faith it's true. And Father, I know that you have intentionally brought us here to this place to worship you this morning and to study your word. Father, I pray that this would not be an intellectual exercise. I pray that although the message is the same, that each heart would be affected differently. If there's sin in someone's life, if there's fear in someone's life, if there's any type of calamity in someone's life, it's not from you. 
Lord, I pray that we would, that we would listen to what your words have to say. It's not about Lars preaching the message. It's about our Heavenly Father teaching us the things that we need to know for this day. And so, God, I, um, I love you. And I'm grateful that you look at me with your eyes, like right now, right this very second, you're looking at us with your eyes and you're hearing the prayers of your saints with your ears. Thank you. We love you and we need you. And we ask this because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. So let me pick this up in 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And I just want to point this out. As you read the scripture up there, the word is capital, the word word is capitalized. Because if you go back to the book of John, which is part of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the very first word or verse in that particular chapter says this, in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we're talking about the same person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so John is talking about Jesus concerning the capital W word of life that was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So we see two things here. First, we see the Apostle John. This is not John the baptizer. This is not the guy that was beheaded. This is the Apostle John, part of the inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John, part of the inner circle of the, of the disciples. And so uh, we see John telling us that he has seen Jesus, he has heard Jesus, he has handled him or touched him, and specifically what he has seen, heard, and touched regarding life is eternal life. He is telling us that this is the message. He starts it out from the, the very beginning. This is what I've seen with my eyes. This is what I have heard, that Jesus is eternal life. You know, there are many things in life that are important. There are many, many, many hundreds, thousands of decisions that we make that are very important. What car to buy, what person to marry, what house to buy, what job to take. The list could go on and on and on. But let me just say this, that if you're online and you're listening to these words and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the most important decision that you can make is the one regarding eternal life because eternal life is merely a breath away. Like our lives could end in a breath. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I was a Marine for 22 years. I definitely saw that. You are talking to someone one minute and they're literally gone the next second. 
So the most important decision that we can make and the most important thing that we need to think about is eternal life. And that's what John is bringing to our attention. If you are a person that has never made a commitment to that and you've seen this verse, it's John chapter 3, verse 16. You've seen it at every football stadium in the country. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I know that how many of you have heard that verse before? I know. It's amazing. How many people have actually heard this verse? But I want you to look at that verse. For God, for God, God, he also is the same God in the book of Genesis that spoke everything into existence. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. For God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, he is the one that's looking at, put your name in here, he is the one that's looking at you, Lars, whatever your name is, he gave us his son for you, for you. Online, if you're listening in your living room or you're watching online, whether it's today or next week or 10 years from now, or you're in your car listening to a podcast, Note this, that God gave us his son so that you could have eternal life with him. That's why he gave us his son. Jesus came preaching eternal life. Jesus came preaching eternal life. John was a witness to that. This life is in the Father and has been made manifest to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Moving on to verse 3 and verse 4. That's what we have seen and heard and declare to you. He's reiterating what he has already told us. That you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. So he's writing to us. I think it's very interesting. I think I've taught through the book of 1 John in various ways, probably, I don't know, six or seven times, like the whole book. And it never, fast, it never, it, it never it escapes me that how important these things are for the believer to know. That John, he's taking things in logical order. He goes, I am an eyewitness to the person of Jesus Christ. The very th first thing he, ta he talks about is eternal life. Once he starts talking about eternal life, he starts talking about fellowship. Fellowship with each other and fellowship with the Father. It is immensely important to me to have fellowship with the church. And I'm not talking about this building. But it's immensely important to me let me just illustrate it this way. If I go to work, and when I go to work, I see people at work, and you kind of can tell sometimes, you kind of can tell the people that are believers, right? Like, I work, I actually work with a bunch of believers because it's in uh, their signature block or the way that they talk or whatever the case might be. And instantly I gravitate toward them because I want fellowship with believers in my workplace. I want fellowship with believers here in this building for sure, but I want fellowship with believers where I work, play, study, and shop. That's where I want fellowship. I want it to surround me. Because I'm a believer, I want to hang out with believers. 
And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can do that. But here's the cool thing. That is cool, having fellowship with each other, but the really cool thing is this, is that we can have fellowship with God. I think I understood this because of my upbringing, and I just kind of told you the, the high, high altitude testimony there, is that I really needed a father figure. You know what, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be totally transparent with you right now. There's really times right now, to this day, and I'm, I'm gonna be 60 in July. I know I look like I'm 25, but I'm gonna be 60 in July. And so um, there are times to this day that I really would like to be able to go to a father that has been faithful in the word and just say, Dad, um, you know, I don't understand this chapter in Ezekiel. Or how you feeling, Dad? Or have someone check in on me, son? You know, I really love you. How's your, how's your walk with God? I have brothers that do that for sure. But it's different having a dad. It's different having a father. And so this fellowship that I have with my father, I understood at a really, really young age that it was really important to me to connect with my father and have fellowship with my father. Let me just say this too. Not in my notes. Every other relationship, every other relationship that I have in my life, past, present, and future, is dependent upon my relationship with my God. Every relationship. Um, Sarah, my wife, knew that when we first met and we went on our first date. I said, Sarah, I, we were on our first date. This is like the scariest moment of my life. I said, because I was like... You know, like Larry Moe and Curly, the three students, are like, dude, what a beautiful girl. And so I was like, I really didn't want to ask her this question, but I was a believer, and I was like, Sarah, I have to ask you this question. Are you a Christian? I met her at church, but that doesn't always mean that they're Christians, right? So I met her at church, and then I asked her out on a date. That was a long story unto itself, but I asked her out on a date, and I said, are you a Christian? She said, yes. I was like, Oh, I like melted, man, in my chair. I was like, I'm so thankful because <laughs> I really like you. I really like you. But the cool thing is, is this. You see, I have fellowship with my wife because of my fellowship with my father. And because of that fellowship with my father and fellowship with my wife, um, and Sarah knowing that God is first in my life, there's priority of things. She knew that from the very beginning. I said, I love you. The first time I told her I love you, I remember that. But you know that my Savior's priority number one. Check. And here's what happens, um, I don't know, 20-something years later when our daughter, Kimberly, got married. She stood at the altar with her husband, and, and Kimberly said this to her husband. She said, Paige, I love you. But I want you to let my God be my God, and I want you to be my husband. Isn't that cool? I want my God to be my God, because you're not my God, you're my husband. Let your God be your God. Have fellowship with your God first and foremost. That's how we can be the light in the world. 
So he says this, we are to have fellowship with each other. We're to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And why is that? We have that or we can have that so our joy is full. He wants our joy to be full. And I'm not talking about joy like ha 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 joy. I'm talking about joy. Like when you lay your, your head on your pillow at night and your life is full of joy. Full of joy. Joy, I think, is a vital part of the Christian life. Without it, are we any different than anybody else? I mean, seriously. Uh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> it's cool, I guess. I'm going to heaven, I guess. He wants us to have joy in our life, but that is a decision that we make. You want to know what the will of God for you is in your life today, November 22nd, at 10 or 11.15. Do you want to know what God's will for your life is? I'll tell you what his will for your life is. This is one of those ground, ground truths. It says this in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.16-18, through 18, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. In other translations it says, be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the what? For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Put your name in there. Rejoice always. Regardless of the circumstances, how in the world can we be the light of the world if we're constantly walking around going like Eeyore? Oh, I guess church was okay. I guess the worship was okay. God saved me from my sins. That's good too. I mean, seriously. I'm a pretty serious guy. Um, I actually am a pretty serious guy. I'm not a very emotional guy either, but I'm super passionate about like five or six things in life, like big things. The gospel is one of those big things. It is the biggest of things. So let's pick it up in verse five. This is the message which you have, we have heard from him and declare to you. Remember, this is John that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's the Bible saying that. That's the Bible saying that. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now I want to speak to the heart of the matter right here. This is really where our Bible study is. The heart of the Bible study is here. I was going over my notes this morning at whatever time, 5.30, whatever, and a, one, of the ver one of the passages came to me and uh, I, just, I just put it on my notes. I don't want you to answer this out loud. How many of you believe that God, the God that created the universe, has planted you here in Northern Virginia for a purpose? That's a pretty important question. Second question is this. How many of you believe and have faith that God has placed us all together, all of us together, 
whether you're online, whatever the case might be, God has placed us all together to be the light in this community. Has he done that with purpose? Or is it just something that's, oh, wow. <laughs> wow, this virus thing is like, oh, here's what I'm gonna do. He's not responding to that. He's the God of the universe. He controls the darkness and the light. He's God. And so, how many of you believe that you are here for a purpose? Let me read this to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But you, put your name in there. But you, Lars. But you, Frank. But you, Sue. But you, Bill. But you, Heidi. I don't know. But you, but you. are a chosen generation. God has purposefully planted you here for a purpose. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His, his, capital H, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, put your name in there, out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's our purpose as the church. He's called us out of darkness. Let me just take you back to my testimony. He called me out of darkness for a purpose. At the age of 19, he said, right now, Lars, I'm gonna put you to work and you're gonna do my work. Yes, Lord, that's what I'm gonna do. And here I am 40 years later because that's what his desire is for my life because I know that I'm part of this chosen few that work for our Heavenly Father. I do not take that lightly. And the church, the universal church, should not take those words lightly either because we have been chosen out of darkness to be the light into Stafford County, be the light into Fredericksburg, or wherever you go during the day in your spheres of influence, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be the light in the darkness. Here, let me say this too, that regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in today, whether it's racial violence, whether it's a virus, whether, I don't care what it is. God has chosen us to do, chosen for us to do something. We must do that, whatever that is, whatever God has given you gifts to do, whatever he's given you talents to do, that is what you're supposed to be doing, regardless of the circumstances that surround you. He has prepared you for this moment in time. He has prepared you for this moment in time. Now, like today, you are the church. If you've accepted Christ as your savior, you are the church. Let me illustrate this a little bit better. A few years ago, I was in, uh, I do Ironman triathlon. I have been doing it for about 21 years. A few years ago, I was in a race in Panama City Beach. And you train for a year 
uh, pretty close to a year to do that race. It's a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a full marathon, 26.2 miles. And so you do that in a day. You start at seven o'clock in the morning, you start swimming, and then you start biking, and then the last event is the run. This one morning, I think this is in 2016, or 2006 is when we did this one. We went down to Panama City. It was beautiful the entire week. Uh, the day before the race, because we're in the Bible Belt down there, they do the race on Saturday rather than Sunday. The day before the race, the temperatures plummeted. It was like 70, and then it went down to the morning of the race. It was 39 degrees. Have you ever swam in 39 degree weather? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you have, let me know. So, Everybody was all bundled up when they showed up at 5.30 in the morning. They're getting their stuff ready. And it was okay swimming because the, the gulf was 70 degrees. But when you ripped off your swimming wetsuit and then you jumped on your bike and you started traveling 20 miles an hour when it's 39 degrees outside, I'm telling you, it's hard work. It's hard work. The circumstances that we find ourselves in today is hard work. It's hard, hard work. But I'm telling you that he's prepared us for this time. I believe that with every fiber of my being that we are here on purpose. And here's why and how I know that. I know that because in the book of Psalms, in my favorite chapter in Psalms, the 139th chapter, it says this, beginning in uh, verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes were, I'm sorry, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Here's the God that spoke the universe into existence and he says this, I knew you, Lars Dahl, before you were formed in your mother's womb and I know that you're here and I know that the times are hard. I know that the times are hard. This is not the time to complain. This is the time to work and be the light. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are the church. God has placed us here together. Regardless of your background, Marine, now I'm an engineer, I'm a network engineer now. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. If the Lord has saved you, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are on mission, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in today. What does it look like to be in the dark? There's a long list of things, but I do want to bring out one, actually two. Fear is the number one. The spirit of fear. This is, uh, I don't know, because of my upbringing as a child, my fight or flight skills are literally broken. If I'm startled about something or if there's a time to be afraid, I am not, it is not there. It's about fighting. Oh, you want to, oh, okay, oh, okay. Ask my family. They don't ever wake me up. They don't ever hover over me. Sarah never goes, hey, Lars, good morning. Because it's like, Whoa! It's, uh, it's my fight or flight skills are broken in half. I, I, I promise it's true. 
This thing, fear, though, it's like living like a person that lives in South Florida. You know, you can live like that, but, I mean, you're probably going to be a pretty ineffective believer if you're doing that because the, the people in South Florida are always anticipating that hurricane. When's the bad, next bad thing coming? When's the next decaying coming? You, uh, we're going to be ineffective group of people, right? If we're always living in fear. And the other one is this. Forgetting your spiritual lessons. I am pretty sure that this room is filled with church people, people that have been going to church for probably a pretty long time. Maybe not, maybe so. But the vast majority of the people have. And you've heard Bible lessons your whole life. And then when something that difficult comes along, you're like, ah, forgetting the lessons that we've learned in the past. I just said, God has prepared us for this time in history. It's not time to be afraid. It's time to be the light. It's time to be the light. What does it look like to be in the light? The first one is love. Last time I taught, I actually kind of confessed this. I'm a professional nice guy. I actually am. Um, I, I just am. I'm not a really good lover of people, though. I love the church. But I'm, I, I mean, I can be kind in a snap. You know, if someone, even if I'm angry about something, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm professional at that. I am. So if you're going to ask me how I'm doing, it's probably going to come out just like that. I'm good. But then you can challenge me. You can go, are you actually good? Oh, uh, no. I'm not good. I'm not good. Loving one another, that's one of the key features. Studying your word. Spending time in the shadow of the cross. We're here this morning. We have three crosses one that's in back of me, and I don't take this lightly either. I mean, there's a cross in back of me. That's a symbol of my salvation. That's a symbol of your salvation. I really don't take that, uh, I don't take that lightly. I stand in the shadow of that cross preaching his word, do you. Let me, let me do this. Uh, worship team, if you could come up here when you can. Let me close with this. This, uh, this is another illustration. We need each other. We need each other to be the light. We need to connect with each other, whether we're online or whether we're in a building or whatever the case might be. We need to have fellowship with each other. We need to be the light. I've been told, Lars, you got to stop saying we need, but we, we actually do. That's our calling. That is our calling. And so... <clears throat> This is another kind of illustration. I remember another race. This was in 2016. I was in another Ironman race, and another, the weather was actually pretty good until the day before the race, once again. Um, and then there was an offshore wind that really kicked up the waves, like three to eight foot swell. It, they were huge. And honestly, they should have canceled the swim portion of the race, and we should have biked and ran. But we didn't. We swam. And so 2,500 people kick off all at the same time. The cannon goes off. Kaboom. People running into the water. And it's like 
it's horrible looking, actually. It's like people, bodies all over the place, trying to make it through the swell. And so um, I make it through the swell. Um, I was fortunate enough back early in my career, I was a search and rescue swimmer for many years. And so they teach you how to do that. They teach you how to swim into the big swell. And I learned that in Hawaii. And the swell is much bigger there. And so I did my first 1.2 mile loop in the water. And then when I got out of the water, you run across the beach and then you go to the starting line and then you swim another 1.2 miles. Well, while you're running across the beach, there's a water stop. And so a fresh water stop. So I stopped and I started sipping some water. And while I was sipping some water, there was a little gal standing right next to me. And I mean, there's water in her goggles, I could tell. And she looked up at me and she goes, I can't do this. I, and she's like, I, her voice is trembling, I can't do it. Because the swell was huge. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. I can't, I can't do this. I'm so sick of COVID. I'm so sick of wearing a mask. I'm so sick of doing everything. I'm so sick of the violence. But I gotta tell you, God's faithful. He is faithful. And just because we find ourselves in these circumstances does not it doesn't alleviate us from our responsibilities as the church. And here's how it's done. I looked down at her and I said, you okay? She said, no, I can't do it. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the tether of my wetsuit and everything that I do, you do. Everything I do, I'm gonna dive into the base of the wave like we were walking across the beach and I was telling her exactly what I was gonna do. This is what I'm going to do. I want you to do it with me. And she goes, okay. So I felt her. She was, she was holding on to the tether of my wetsuit. And every time I went into the base of the wave and then popped out and then started to swim a little bit, another big wave came up. Go to the base wave, pop out. Maybe you're the person that you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Or maybe you're the person that has the tether that you're like, come with me. I know exactly how to do this. I know exactly how to be the light in the world. I'm not living in darkness. I know how to be the light in the world. I need you to grab my tether. And I need you to do what I'm doing. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where anybody is right now. I know where my family is. I know where I am. Spiritually speaking. But I do know this, that we have an opportunity whether you're in your living room or whether you're in your car or whether wherever you are, if you're in this room, you have an opportunity as a believer to make a difference. To be the light in the world. It's, it's not a recommendation. It's what we're called to do. And so if you don't know Jesus as your savior, that's where it all begins. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. It's just agreeing with him. I know that I'm a sinner and I need you. And I need to be saved. I'm telling you, if you're not a believer, you will not find rest until you say those words. You just won't. If you are a believer and you're like living in calamity, and you, I'm gonna go right down there at that cross in just a second. And if you want to be prayed for, I even brought my mask up here. 
just to be safe. If you want to come and pray, I will just stand there or kneel with you. We had prayer in the first service. I will pray with you right now. Pastor Tim will pray with you right now. If you need prayer, you just let us know, okay? Let me pray for us. And please listen to the words of this last song. Father God, my father, my good, good father, I'm, um, I'm just really grateful for your word. I'm grateful for your message because your message is eternal. And that's what everybody in the world is like. Ah, I just need to know. I just need to be secure in my life. And the only way we can be secure in our life is when we know what we have in the future, in eternity. Jesus, you gave us the way because you are, present tense, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to, you, uh, comes to their salvation except through you. So God, if there's someone online right now, I ask that you would touch their heart. If there's someone in here right now, whether they're a believer or non-believer, I pray that you would prick their heart and convict them I thank you that you have, I don't even know why you do this. Really, Father, I don't know why you, you've, you've said, I want you, Lars, and you, Bill, and you, Heidi, I want you to be the light of the world. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do it alone, but I want you to be the light of the world. So, Father, I ask that we would be the light of the world right here, right where we are in Northern Virginia. Whatever county or city we live in, Help us to be the light of the world. Lord, we need you to do that. We need you to work in us to do that. We can't do it alone. It's all about you. It's always been about you. We love you, Jesus. We know that you're hearing our words right now. You're, you're answering prayers. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.